Do you have a friend who loves you so much they die for you? Well, that's what Jesus did. Dr. Michael Gleghorn describes friendship with Jesus. Now, on Probe. In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis offers four analogies of God's love for humanity. These include the love of an artist for a great work of art, the love of a human being for an animal, the love of a father for his son, and the love of a man for a woman. Interestingly, he does not consider the analogy of friendship or love between friends. In one sense, it's surprising, for Lewis would later write quite perceptively about friendship in his book, The Four Loves. Of course, at this time in his career, Lewis may not have even thought about the love of friendship in the context of discussing analogies of God's love for humanity. After all, on the surface, the Bible appears to say little about friendship between God and human beings. But saying little is not the same as saying nothing, and the Bible does speak about the possibility of enjoying friendship with God. In fact, the Gospel of John offers a great illustration of this in the life and teaching of Jesus, whom Christians regard as God the Son incarnate. John presents Jesus as a true friend, one who is willing to speak the truth to those he loves and to lay down his life for their benefit. Consider Jesus' words to his disciples in John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. In this brief passage, Jesus surfaces several important elements of friendship, which would have been readily recognized by people in the ancient world. We'll need to carefully consider each of these elements over the coming week. For now, however, the key point to notice is that Jesus explicitly refers to his disciples as friends. Moreover, he also holds out to them the possibility of deepening their friendship with both him and one another. In the remainder of this week's programs, we'll need to unpack many of these ideas further. First, however, we must get a better understanding of how friendship was viewed in the ancient world. And this we will do tomorrow. This has been Probe with your host, Dr. Michael Gleghorn. Get your free copy of Michael's transcript, Friendship with Christ, at probe.org. Then join us next time here on Probe. This week, we're discussing some of Jesus' remarks about friendship in the Gospel of John. Of course, John's discussion of friendship does not occur in a cultural or historical vacuum. Indeed, he seems to have been aware of other such discussions and even enters into a dialogue of sorts with some of them. So how is friendship understood in the ancient world? The most important discussion of friendship in antiquity is probably that found in Aristotle's Ethics. As one philosopher observes, Aristotle's treatise on friendship is comprehensive and confident, as well as undeniably profound. Aristotle views friendship as something like the glue of a community, binding people together in relations of benevolence and love. Such relations are indispensable for the community's health and well-being. Aristotle describes friendship as reciprocated goodwill, 
and claims that the highest form of friendship occurs between good people, similar in virtue. The primary virtue of real friends is loving one another, and such love is expressed in practical actions, for the virtuous person labors for his friends and is even willing to die for them if necessary. Finally, the ancients also viewed frank speech and openness as essential elements of friendship. According to Plutarch, frankness of speech is the language of friendship, and lack of frankness is unfriendly and ignoble. The language of friendship thus involves something like speaking the truth in love. Friendship should allow and even encourage frank speech, and yet such speech should always be characterized by love and a genuine desire for the friend's best interest. Putting this all together, we can see how Jesus' remarks about friendship correlate with the ancient ideals expressed in the writings of men like Aristotle and Plutarch. Just as Aristotle viewed friendship as the glue of a community, so also Jesus seems to envision the formation of a community of friends who are bound together in love by their shared allegiance to him. As biblical scholar Gail O'Day observes, the language of friendship provided language for talking about the construction of a community of like-minded people informed by a particular set of teachings. In the remainder of this week, we'll consider how Jesus both models and encourages the ancient ideals of friendship in his life and teaching. This week we're considering some ways in which Jesus is portrayed as a friend in the Gospel of John. One of the ways in which John shows Jesus demonstrating friendship is through his frank and honest speech. We've seen that in the ancient world, open and honest speech was regarded as one of the hallmarks of friendship, and there are several occasions in which such speech is attributed to Jesus in the Gospel of John. Of course, this doesn't mean that everything Jesus had to say was easy to understand. It wasn't, and even his disciples often misunderstood him. Nor does it mean that Jesus never taught truths about God by using parables or figurative language. Indeed, he often did. What it does mean, however, is that throughout his gospel, John repeatedly portrays Jesus as speaking and teaching the truth about God openly and honestly to all who care to listen. For example, Jesus is described as speaking openly while teaching the people in the temple at the Feast of Booths. Moreover, after his arrest, when Jesus is being questioned by the high priest, he frankly declares to those present, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Dr. Gail O'Day observes that Jesus here claims that his entire public ministry has been characterized by freedom of speech throughout its duration. She writes, Jesus has not held anything back in his self-revelation, but is spoken with the freedom that marks a true friend. Finally, we must not forget what Jesus says to his disciples in John 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Here Jesus explicitly refers to his disciples as friends, claiming that he has made known to them everything that he has heard from the Father. Not only does Jesus call his disciples friends, he also speaks to them in the language of friendship, openly and honestly revealing to them the heart and mind of the Father. Judged by the criterion of frank and honest speech, Jesus thus revealed... 
In John 15, Jesus declares, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Earlier, we saw that Aristotle, in his writings on friendship, maintained that the true friend, actuated by genuine goodness, would even be willing to die, if necessary, for the sake of a friend. Of course, as any reader of the Gospels knows, Jesus soon does this very thing, thus demonstrating the greatest possible love according to the ancient ideals of friendship. As Dr. Gail O'Day observes, Jesus did what the philosophers only talked about. He laid down his life for his friends. This event is foreshadowed by Jesus in his claim to be the Good Shepherd in John 10. I am the Good Shepherd, he says. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This claim is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, and it likely involves an implicit claim to deity. For as Edwin Blum has noted, in the Old Testament, God is called the shepherd of his people. One thinks of the way in which David begins Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord Jesus, as the good shepherd of his people, is willing to lay down his life for their benefit. But Jesus goes further than this. For as Paul tells us, Jesus not only gave his life for his friends, but even for his enemies. For while we were still weak, writes Paul, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners and even enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. If dying for one's friends epitomizes the ancient ideal of friendship, dying for one's enemies far transcends this ideal. It demonstrates the sacrificial love of God for all humanity. While we were spiritually dead, mired in sin and rebellion, God sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Aristotle referred to friendship as reciprocated goodwill. Jesus demonstrated the greatest possible love and goodwill of God by Jesus calls his disciples friends and commands them to love one another as he has loved them. Jesus wants his followers to regard themselves not only as his friends, but as friends of one another as well. He intends for them to be a community of friends, bound together in their love for one another because of their shared devotion to him. The sort of love to which Jesus calls them is a costly love, for he desires that his people's love for one another be an imitation of the love that he has already demonstrated toward them. And what sort of love is this? It's the kind of love that is willing to give one's life for the benefit of others, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now this, I think we can all agree, is a very high calling. Indeed, if we're honest, I think that we must all admit that, humanly speaking, it is frankly impossible. If some degree of discomfort does not grip our hearts in considering this commandment, then we probably aren't considering it in all due seriousness. Very few of us will probably ever reach the level of truly loving other believers just as Jesus has loved us. And if any of us do reach it, we probably won't be able to consistently maintain such love in our daily practice. But Jesus commands us to do it, and we must at least begin trying to do so. But how? Dr. Gail O'Day, I think, strikes the right tone when she comments, The disciples begin with the explicit appellation, friend, and the challenge for them is to enact and embody friendship as Jesus has done. The disciples know how Jesus has been a friend, 
and they are called to see what kind of friends they can become. Jesus' friendship is the model of friendship for the disciples, and it makes any subsequent acts of friendship by them possible, because the disciples themselves are already the recipients of Jesus' acts of friendship. We must remember that Jesus is our friend, that he loves us and provides all that we need to live a holy and God-honoring life. Indeed, he has sent the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower his people for just this purpose. As we trust in Jesus, giving ourselves to him and one another in genuine love and friendship, we will find that we are increasingly obeying his commands and bearing fruit that brings him glory. So let's commit ourselves to friendship with Jesus and to those who compose his body, the church.